basketball season is nearly on the hill. I'm very, very excited, as is Owen. So what that Woo! means is it's time for another edition of What's More Likely. We'll give you one right ahead of the season to give you our opinions. And during the season, we'll probably revisit it and cringe. This is Locked On Syracuse. It starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on your Tuesday episode of Lockdown Syracuse. Thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Pretty exciting day, Owen. We get to talk basketball. It's really happening where basketball is truly right around the corner. I mean, it seemed like it was going to be so far away for so long, but it's almost here. Syracuse already played one exhibition game. There's another one tomorrow. That's Tuesday as of recording this, so tonight. Um, I'm pumped. Yeah, we're six days away when this comes out from the season opener against Lehigh. Six days from the season opener. It's here. And we talked about it. Are going down, baby. We talked about it. We were like, oh, it's it's weird, right? It's It's been so long. We're so deep in the season, and we're still saying it's football season. Well, two weeks have gone by, back-to-back losses, and we're starting to look a little bit more at both sports. And uh, it is basketball time, fresh start, fresh season, ready to go. Not to disregard football at all, but it is cool to see that we are here. Basketball season is as close as can be, and it's time to get our as close to the season as we pretty much can get. Uh, what, what's more likely predictions for how this year goes and how this new squad appears? Yeah, usually at this point in the season, everybody's been talking about basketball for quite a long time because football is so bad, but this year, not the case. So Syracuse basketball, like Bayheim said, nobody's talking about him, and he kind of likes that. Um, yeah. Okay, let's get right into our what's more likelies. First one on the docket, and I want your thoughts on this first. Does Coach Bayheim constantly rotate seven players or ten players? I'm going to go with ten which is bold given the fact that I know the history of. Uh, it seems like there's a chance that there could be 10 guys rotating, uh, and then when all is said and done, it ends up being seven. I, I do really think this year that there is a possibility that 10 players can rotate. Uh, and I do think that's a much more likely scenario for the non-conference slate, and then maybe it, it narrows down and hones in. Uh, but if I were to pick what's more likely, I would say 10 are involved than seven are involved, just because I think that there's not a way mentally, as I look at this team for Syracuse, that it is seven guys rotating. As I rattle through, right, you got Gerard, Jesse, Benny, Judah, Chris Bell, Justin Taylor as sort of the seven that I think are non-negotiables. Uh, Kodir Copeland. I think is in that list as well. Gets you to eight. Saimir gets you to nine. Uh, and then one of the two backup centers in Munir or Peter Carey gets you to 10. That's not talking about Malik Brown. That's not saying that Carey and Munir don't both 
sort of give this a shot to figure out who works as the backup. Uh, I, I do think there is a genuine chance that 10 players can rotate through, especially in the non-conference slate as they're figuring a lot of things out. Uh, so I would side with 10. Um, I, I think realistically, and this is the cop out of the answer, it's going to fall between those two numbers. But I think if I had to choose 10 or seven, I would side with 10 given uh, the personnel that I'm looking at right now and some of the closer battles in terms of who can come in for those uh, reserve minutes and who can perform in that spot as well. I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm going to go 10 as well because I don't think Bayheim would say that he's going to run nine or 10 guys if he weren't planning on doing it, uh, which is what he did in that John Rothstein article earlier in preseason, uh, which we were both shocked by because as all SU fans know and every media member knows and everybody knows, Bayheim runs seven, eight guys at most ever. Uh, usually it's yeah. six or seven. So um, just for him to say, I'm going to run nine or 10 guys, unless it's like the bluff of all bluffs, just to throw people off, he's probably going to do it. Uh, so I'm going to stick to 10 as well. All right, let's move on. I think to... If I could jump okay, for ahead. one more quick thought. Sorry. Sure, sure, uh, sure. There is that realistic chance that when you get to ACC play, it dips to like eight, where maybe you've got your starting five, and then the non-starter of Chris Bell and Justin Taylor is one. The non or whoever performs better in terms of Kadir Copeland and Symir Torrance is the two, and whoever performs better between Munir and Carey. Uh, as the third to get you to eight. So I think there's a chance that that can can squeeze and condense. But I do think to start the season, you are going to see 10. Uh, and depending on, you know, the Malik Brown situation, uh, it, it really could even be 11 to start things off until more decisions are made. Yeah, we could be seeing a lot of guys on the floor early on. Uh, and I don't think that's a crazy thing to think. Okay, second one on the docket. Judah Mintz is a top 15 NBA pick, or he stays for four years. Top NBA pick this season being a one-and-done, that is. Owen, what do you think? Oh, I wrote this question, and I, I didn't think of an answer to it. <laughs> uh, I – oh, boy. I, I think that – Sure, sure. Um, I don't know that he stays four years. So I'm going to say that he's a top NBA pick, top 15 NBA pick. It's more likely um, because I think he could be that. I, I think it's wildly unlikely that he is. Um, but I really, if he's as good as advertised, I just don't see him staying four seasons. It's not often that guys stay four years unless you're the coach's son or you just don't really have the talent to make it to the NBA. So, uh, or, I mean, that's not, not always the case, but, you know, some guys end up having the talent at the end rather than not having it at the beginning. Um, but for a guard guy, those are guys who develop really quickly compared to forwards. Um, if Judah has the talent, he's going to show it right off the, out of the gates. Uh, and I don't really see him staying four years. So I'm going to go Judah as a top NBA pick. Not to say it's going to happen, but it's more likely than him staying the whole time. Yeah, this is our, I think, our most extreme in terms of questions and polarization. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take the contrary and say he stays okay. four years. Um, I, I think he's going to be very, very good in year one. Uh, I don't know if that is top 15 caliber. Um, and then I think you stay for maybe year two. 
and now I'm I'm just this is pure hypothetical. I have no rationale for this. I think if you get to year three, you stay for year four. Your draft stock falls <laughs> in year three because of age. So you might as well just stay for the fourth year. Uh, so I I don't know with this one, and it, it's a terrible answer out of way. But I I think he, in my opinion, and I hope he proves me wrong, and he becomes a lottery pick. He's been a Johnny Flynn comp. Johnny Flynn, obviously not a one and done. What did Bayheim call him? Johnny Flynn? That's a bigger Johnny Flynn? I think so. Something along those crazy lines. Comp. Crazy uh, comp. I think he, he's an NBA guy, but not top 15 and not necessarily year one. So I that's a terrible answer, and I apologize, but it is what it is. All right. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will continue. But first, this week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it's got to be, Owen, oh, what do you got for this week's thrilling moment? Owen? Are you there? Hello? I don't know if he's there. I muted. Uh, okay. Okay. He's muted. I muted. That doesn't mean I have a thrilling moment on the docket. Let's go <laughs> to the year 20. Is it 16 or 17? It depends on when this game took place. It is 2017 where a one John Gillen drops 43 points against NC State in an overtime game where I believe um, Gillen hits the corner three to tie the game, send it into overtime in route to 43 points and a Syracuse victory. So we'll talk about the corner three uh, at the buzzer on fe- in February of 2017 to, uh, to get you that big-time moment. That's your thrilling moment for the week. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs of featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you, thrills you in the all-new Frontier Armada and Pathfinder today, available now at NissanUSA.com. Okay, let's continue here in our What's More Likely segments. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on the Lockdown Syracuse podcast. It's your Tuesday episode. Uh, we did Bayheim cons- uh, rotations. We did Judah Mintz, whether or not he's a one and done or not, or one and done or four years. Let's go to some stats, as we all love stats, stats some stats, seniors. Stats, stats, stats. Joe Girard breaks the SU three-point record, hits 110 threes, breaks Andrew White's record, or Jesse Edwards blocks 110 shots. Of course, we're talking about this uh, in a single-season scope. So... I'll go ahead and answer this first. I think Joe Girard 100% is going to hit 110 threes this year. He hit 98 last season, and he's only taking more shots this year. That doesn't necessarily come with more consistency, although everybody likes to hate on Joe, and oh, sometimes it's it's fair. I mean, the guy takes bad shots a lot of the time, and his misses can be really, really bad. Uh, but playing off ball this year, he's going to get the ball whenever he wants it, and he's going to huck it up whenever he wants it. I think he's going to be better in the offense, and as the most reliable shooter, as he was tied for second by behind by point one in the ACC last year in, in three-point shooting, 
he was he hit 40.3 percent of his shots uh i think he's going to be even better from the three-point arc and i'm going to say he breaks the su three-point single season record i'm going to go bold here i'm going to say they both do it well that's not you have to pick one or the other i have to i can't say they both do the 110 nope. threshold that's a cop out mm-hmm I'm, I'm not having fun today. Um, I will say the whole point of the game. I, I'm then it's Joe, and now it's a boring answer because we both <laughs> say the same thing. Uh, I I do think that Joe is is more likely to hit 110 threes uh, than Jesse is to block 110 shots. I do, as I hinted at, think they can both hit this threshold very realistically. Uh, I look at what Gerard did last season, right, and he's averaging just under 14 points a game last year. Beheim said <clears throat> almost like weirdly how Beheim said it in that bold and like it's not something that you typically talk about in terms of giving a number, but in preseason conversation, I'm talking about how Joe is going to average 20 points per game, and in a 30-ish game season, I don't imagine him getting to 20 points a game without averaging almost four threes a game. Uh, I don't see a way that he's getting to 20 points not doing that uh, outside of maybe free throws, things like that. But he is, if he stays healthy and if he performs at the level that Beheim thinks he can, I am excited to see the elevation that he can get being off ball, being in a more ro- or a role more true to his play style and his ability. Uh, I think he is more likely to. I also do think that Jesse Edwards is – going to hit 110 shots. I will say that. But if I have to pick one, uh, Joe Girard, I believe, is more likely to break the three-point record, which is nuts, uh, given you know some of the guys. And I, I think it's funny to see you know, you've got McNamara right there on the bench, broke 100 threes three times in his career, uh, but never to the 110 threshold. Uh, and I think it could be possibly broken by Joe Girard this season. All righty, let's move on. Syracuse makes the Elite Eight, or Syracuse plays in the National Invitational Tournament. What do you got? I've said this before. I said this before we watched the season opener in terms of the preseason exhibition opener. I will stand true to it because I am a man of my word for the most part. And I will say that Syracuse makes the Elite Eight is more likely. I think this is a group of guys that has the ability to figure it out to the point where they can have a lot of late season success. And they have the non-conference schedule that permits a relatively solid learning curve for the Orange and to figure some things out figure out lineup stuff, figure out minutes, figure out the offense, figure out the defense. They have the non-conference schedule that permits them to do so. And I think that they can get into the stretch of the ACC, the gauntlet of the ACC, and get into the NCAA tournament and make a decent run. I will say that they are more likely to make the Elite Eight this season because of the non-conference schedule, because of the number of new faces that I think you're going to have enough guys pan out out of that new group. You have the forgiveness of there being so many new guys that can be outstanding, that you are allowed to have a guy or two fall through and not work out perfectly. 
and still be pretty darn solid for the remainder of the season. I would say more likely for Syracuse in the Elite Eight. I'll stick to my initial thoughts when we talked about this a couple weeks ago or almost a month ago at this point uh, and ride with them. I will say I do think that is their ceiling uh, if they do get there, though. Okay. Uh, I mean, this is a tough one because obviously we've watched that exhibition game and that did not look like a lead 18, but Shout obviously out to they're not going to. Uh, making that not as bad of an exhibition game in hindsight. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. But I was going to say, you know, they're not going to look like that in, in May, hopefully, or March, hopefully. Um, so it's a tough one. Beheim says they're going to the, the the NCAA tournament. He also said that if he was ever asked that at any point in his career before any season, he would have said the same thing. Um, so I don't really put any much any stock in that at all. Um, I don't know. It's a really tough one. This team has a lot of talent on it. It's just going to be up to Beheim and the rest of the coaching staff to figure out how it's going to turn into wins because, like I said, there are so many players on this team that can contribute. Um, whether or not they're all going to be ready to do it this season is up to uh, up to the future, I suppose. So I'm going to say, I don't know, this is tough. I, I Honestly, I want to say that they'll play in the NIT, but that's just because I feel like it's the easy answer. But I'm going to say the Elite Eight. I'm going to say that they're going to push forward uh, and they're going to be a lot better even as the new year passes. So I'm going to say that Syracuse makes the Elite Eight is more likely than Syracuse playing in the NIT this season, even though it's probably more likely that most teams play in the NIT just because it's easier to get into. But anyway, uh, let's take another quick break. This one brought to you by Sweatlock, Owen's favorite ad. Um, listen about this, okay? Sweatblock created by doctors to help with his own excessive sweating. It's doctor created and it's doctor recommended. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock. You can save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. The Sweatblock wipes were featured and tested on the racial ratio by firefighters. Okay, firefighters love Sweatblock. Everybody loves Sweatblock. Give it a shot, okay? Locked on is the code. Try it at sweatblock.com. It's available on Amazon. You get 20% off with that code. You're going to love Sweatblock. Okay. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine, back with you on Lockdown Syracuse. We got two to go here. Uh, we're in the final stretch of our SU basketball preseason. What's more likely? That's a mouthful. Uh, next one up. Three freshmen average 15 minutes per game or two freshmen average 20 minutes per game, Owen? I'm going to go with a an exhibition game overreaction and say two freshmen average 20 minutes per game with Judah Mintz and Justin Taylor. Uh, I, I watched the way those two played in the exhibition. I really, really liked you know what they both had to offer. Uh, and I, I do think that although Chris Bell started the exhibition, it it looks like at this point in time, Taylor is the more solid option uh, and presents a little bit better of a look for the Orange in terms of performance. Uh, I would say that I, I think I could be wrong in terms of the player, uh, and maybe Bell ends up 
proving me wrong and is the guy. But I do think that that rotation is going to work, that it's going to end up being two freshmen averaging 20 minutes per game. Judah is pretty much set in stone in my mind. But I will say when you look at sort of the rotation in the three, I think whoever is the better of those two players in terms of uh, Chris Bell and Justin Taylor will get 25-ish minutes, uh, maybe a little bit more. And whoever is coming in off the bench is going to get less. And I realize what I just did there, for those of you who are good at math. Um, that just contradicts what I said. Right? Because if he plays 25 minutes, then that leaves the opportunity for the other to play 15. We're going to honestly. I think we kind of bought this one. <laughs> well, you know, this is not a math switch podcast. It. Switch okay. it on the spot to 25. Okay, what do you mean to switch it to? 25? Okay. Hold on. Sometimes you got to work through these things on the pot, get some inside baseball going. So people like, all right, there you go. Three freshman average 50 minutes per game or two average 25 minutes per game. Bang. So I will say two average 25 minutes per game. I think the second of the two threes will average probably closer to 10 minutes a game, especially because there were some moments where you saw sort of that three guard look for a little bit or some different looks that Bayheim will be able to work with given the depth that this team has. Uh, I think it's going to be more of a two guys are going to be at 25 minutes and then whether it's Bell, whether it's Taylor, is going to play 10 to 12-ish minutes off the bench and and sort of fill that spot but not quite get to your 15 minutes because of some of the different looks that they can present. Uh, like you on the Joe Girard versus Jesse Edwards 110-110, I think both of these things will occur. I think that two freshmen will average 25 minutes per game and a third guy will average a hundred. Well, a third guy will average fifteen minutes per game. Well, Whoever now I get is to be not like starting you in that first question. Well, I'm going to pick the three freshmen average fifteen because that'll be true. But the other one will also be true. So okay, um, I'll pick the three freshmen average fifteen minutes per game. Um, not our even though the other one best question. Be no, it wasn't our best question, but kind of some slack. We've had one bad one. Okay, moving on. Does Bayheim rely on man to man or two three zone more throughout this season? You might be screaming at your laptop, phone, computer, whatever you're watching this on right now or listening to. But at the end of last season, Bayheim said that they're going to take it matchup by matchup rather than just throwing out a 2-3 zone against every team that just launches three from half court. And he played a lot of man in the exhibition game. So I think there's a lot to it to say that there's a good chance Bayheim plays man this year way more than you think he will. Uh, even if you don't want that to be the case. I don't like that being the case, but it's just where we're at right now. Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's going to be, um, you know, matchup by matchup. If I had to guess, I'd say 2-3 zone because that's what he likes. Um, but, you know, man-to-man is the easier defense to play. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Yes. I, I think it's going to be the 2-3. Uh, I, I, I'm... You know, I don't encourage this in all facets of life, but in this situation, uh, I think you're going to fall back to the stick to what you know sort of situation and scenario and default to the 2-3 uh, in most situations. And there are going to be moments where man-to-man will be played because it is the right decision and the proper fit given who they're lining up against. But I think you're going to see a lot more of the 2-3 uh, when all is said and done because of 
its proven effectiveness over time uh, in most situations. And unless you're getting gunned from three, which will happen, and there's going to be your man-to-man moments and your man-to-man games, I would say that I think we're on the same page here in saying that the 2-3 would probably be used more this season when all is said and done just because of you know its past success, the fact that Beheim claims you can learn it in two weeks and it doesn't take as long to learn as everyone wants to talk about uh, and what you can see from it in terms of effectiveness. Um, yeah, I think I'll stick with you there. Uh, I was just running through something I can't remember in my head, but uh, yeah, I think I think that it's going to be more split than people think. Um, but you know, Bayheim and the two three zone are locked at the hip, so I think you know people are going to uh, the team's going to play that. Uh, this is what I was thinking, but I just remembered um, he's going to want that for when the tournament rolls around. That is SC's greatest weapon when the NCAA tournament shows up is that other yeah. teams don't know how to play against the 2-3 zone, and they can fly through the tournament thanks to that. I mean, that's how it happened in 2021. San Diego State had no idea how to combat the zone. Neither did West Virginia. Um, Houston did, but the other teams didn't. And, and West Virginia was probably way better than them that season. Bob Huggins had a really, really good team, uh, but the zone really helped out. And uh, that's why Syracuse was so successful. So Bayheim will want a polished zone by the time uh, they get close and closer and closer to the NCAA tournament. Okay. That's all the time that we have today. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. Go and look at the Lockdown Sports Today podcast for your next one. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. I'm Matt Bonaparte. He is Owen Valentine. We will be back tomorrow.